0: celebrity memoir book club fall into book season baby because we are here to bring you just the tea hot piping tea and nothing else so if you don't like that feel free to turn back now go back to summer go back to sweating your goddamn face off but if you're having fun come with us it's gonna be christmas soon What
1: are you talking about? I don't think you can do these anymore. I don't think you remember their purpose. I don't think you even know what we're doing here. I think you're leading people down a dark, confusing path. The whole point of these up top things is to tell people what they can expect and what they're going to get so that they don't get mad if they feel bamboozled. And I don't know that
0: you're clarifying anything for anyone. We are going to offer, like I said, the piping hot tea that you drink during fall and no, well, I won't say no more, no less, because more is our opinions. Less is the book. Go read the book if that's what you want. Cool. And do we have anybody specifically that we can thank this week? This week, I would like to thank Freshly for supporting Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Freshly has delicious, fresh, healthy meals ready to heat and enjoy in just three minutes. Stop stressing about dinner. Right now, you can get $125 off your first five orders at Freshly.com slash worm. Claire. Yes, Ashley. If you were going to microwave us your week in three minutes or less, what would just the title be?
1: (laughs) It would be no added sugars.
0: I am trying to do a
1: sugar cleanse, a sugar detox. I am fully addicted to sugar. Did you know? know. (laughs)
0: Yes. Every time I do a sugar detox, you walk in here with a bag of M&Ms and you're like, I'll give you one if you want one. And I'm like, I'm detoxing.
1: I think everybody's like, oh yeah, I eat sugar too. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm a buy a bag of Milanos in the morning and then eat them all day as just like date." desserts and then in addition have a dessert for breakfast and in addition have a dessert for dinner. And sometimes the food I'm eating as dinner is dessert.
0: I will say I'm really interested to see what's going to happen because I've done my fair share of sugar detoxes because I had a really bad sweet tooth for a long time. And I feel like the first two weeks you're going to be like, I wish you had a trip planned this week so we didn't have to hang out. Like the first two weeks of a sugar detox are unpleasant. But afterwards, I feel like I sense the amount of sugar that I'm eating. I needed to recalibrate
1: what's normal to me because I'm turning 30 and if I don't tackle it, it'll tackle me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I think it's like going to come out of my pores soon. Just sugar? Yeah. That sounds nice. <laughs> and I'm, a, I'm a sweet little angel. I'm just a little sugar cookie. As of today, the day of recording, I have gone Almost 40 hours no sugar. That's a lot for you. That's a lot for me. Granted, I'm eating like a ton of fruit. I'm like going ham on watermelon and stuff. One day at a time, baby. And I'm just thinking whatever. That's God's sugar. I can't go against him. He put it there for a reason. But when this episode comes out it'll be next Tuesday so I feel like in order to stay honest to the loyal and loving wormies I have to make it until at least this episode comes out so that I I am a woman of my word in present time through the airwaves does that make sense yeah thoughts and prayers for someone who's about to be going through it I'm praying
0: for you (laughs) I'm praying for you I'm praying for me as well you have
1: to deal with me a lot and one other time in my life I tried to do this and I do remember just like sitting in a ball shaking (laughs) so good luck you Yes. And Ashley. Yes, Claire. If you were a meal in a microwave, how fast would you be spinning?
0: Uh, hundred miles an hour, baby, because I would really love to just fast forward through this last week. I would consider this week's chapter a, a handful of blank pages to kind of reflect on your own self because I had COVID again. And so I really just kind of did nothing. Half the time I really didn't feel good. And half the time I was just kind of still in isolation chillin'. Uh, I learned about myself. Me and Bug played games. We had a really beautiful time. That's it. Beautiful. So I think it's a good time to use these pages to reflect on your own life. This chapter is more of a writing prompt.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oi. This week, to continue our fashion studies, we went from the great icon, the creative director of Vogue, Andre Leon Talley, to another icon, the creative dictator of America's Ex-Top Model. (laughs) We have Tyra Banks, Perfect is Boring, written in tandem with her mama. 10 things my crazy fierce mama taught me about beauty, booty, and being a boss. It is
0: really interesting that the cover of this book, this book that was, I would say, fairly equally co-written by Tyra and her mama. Written is. This book that was pretty 50-50 co-vibed by Tyra and her mama. The cover is a close-up of Tyra Banks' face. And then the back cover is where we get her mom. Here's the thing about Tyra, and they get to this a lot in the book. She does not look like
1: either of her parents. And her mom will be like, she was just an alien that came out of me that was randomly six feet tall and had
0: huge boobs. And I'm like, it's true. Where did she come from? Where did she come from? Her mom looks beautiful on this back cover, though. (laughs) I mean, her mom is gorgeous, but they
1: do not look alike. They don't have the same facial features. I can't really tell where her face came from. They
0: have the same sense of humor. They have the same work ethic.
1: Tyra Banks was born December 4th, 1973. She's currently 78 years old. And this book came out in 2000. Wait. No. Sorry. She's currently 48. Oh, my God. I was like, there is no way. No, she was born in 1973, which does not make her 73. That makes her 48. Oh, my God. This book came out in 2018, which is actually quite fun because... There's a lot of pop
0: culture references in this book. Mostly just asking Rihanna to call her back.
1: (laughs) And I almost wish I hadn't told you when this book came out because we would have quoted all the references in the same way that there's that guy on TikTok who will look at a globe and tell you exactly when that globe was made based on geopolitical changes and names of countries and everything and borders. I do think you could have used the pop culture
0: references to hone in exactly the month that this book was written. The intro to this book features an iconic moment in... I guess I would say similarly to globe-making world history, this is a moment you've seen memed time and time and time again. The iconic moment of I was rooting for you, we were all rooting for you.
1: I also want to point out that this is chapter one called introduction colon perfect is boring. Already, the amount of repurposing that's happening, the idea that the introduction is being repurposed as the first chapter and its subtitle is a repurposed the book title.
0: Crazy. What if this page is out of order? The introduction is just the sentence. Perfect is boring. Now on to chapter one.
1: I don't know that that makes more or less sense. In that sense, you could have edited it. I don't know that your suggestions have hurt or helped the book. So this book is written as a conversation between her and her mama, Carolyn. Tyra is eyes. Carolyn is the mouth. Every time they speak, they get an icon next to their name.
0: But they also include the name.
1: Yeah, it's like a whole to-do.
0: This book has a lot of space. They did (laughs) a lot to make sure that they could take up space. And they hit page 305. Ambitious. Hi,
1: my name is Tyra Banks, and you might remember me from that time I yelled at a girl on TV. Yeah, you remember that time. If I was a singer, Be Quiet Tiffany would be my top of the charts number one hit single, Bat Mitzvah Dance Floor Filler, that you and your gay best friend queue up every time you go sing karaoke, and you got the gif saved on your phone. Just so it's ready to go, the next time someone starts telling you something you don't want to hear. And you know what? I'm not mad at that. Because the moment that's all over the internet is really just me embodying someone I love so damn much. My mother. Because I ain't crazy, but my mama sure is.
0: Okay, so the rest of this chapter kind of goes in to analyze that moment, what came out of her, what she learned about herself, how that moment relates back to the way her mom raised her. And it really sets you up to think this book is going to be unhinged.
1: It's just so odd reading this book because, sure, that moment is iconic and that is like a hugely viral second in what is honestly one of the crazier shows that's ever at TV. But even... I know. I think most people know that Tyra Banks is so much more than that moment. She has a pretty impressive multi-decade spanning career. So for her, of her own admission to be like, "Well, I'll take you to what you want to know most." That single meme.
0: I'm kind of like, I don't know, Tyra, give yourself some more credit. Yeah, I agree that it is nonsense that this to her is the most important part of her career. It makes you wonder, okay, I was trying to prove a point the other day on TikTok and someone said that the amount the amount the thing I was talking about had been searched on Twitter was less than the amount that the thing they were talking about had been searched on Twitter. And I wonder if that's how she was like judging the importance of her life by like literal search mentions. I kind of think she is. I think she's a marketing genius.
1: She has an ability to turn any second of her life into a catchphrase. She's down to capitalize on anything. And I do think she lives by the there is no bad press.
0: I mean, she's had a lot of viral moments. The fact that she felt she had to use this scenario to sort of launch into her life story is interesting and unnecessary to me. Because first of all, when you read this, you're like, I don't really know if this is proving what you think it's proving. And then when you go rewatch the moment, you're like, okay, this is not proving what you think it's proving. So
1: I think that was season two or three that she yelled at that girl. Yeah. Tiffany. And at this point, it had been years since that moment had come out. And so I think she was doing a good job actually assuming that everyone forgot the context of that moment Mm -hmm. and is now rewriting the narrative. And so the narrative she gives in this introduction is... Her mom is a tough mama bear who is going to give it to you straight. But because of that, she's such a good mom. And maybe she did things differently than other parents. But she always made sure Tyra knew the truth, that her mom had Tyra's back, and that the mom was always going to give you all of the information and opportunity to make your own choices and then support you no matter what. She even says, when I saw that tape of her yelling at Tiffany, it was like I was watching myself. The apple doesn't fall far from the I look crazy right now, but I swear I'm not, I just believe in you tree. This whole chapter rewrites that moment Not as Tyra being like weirdly abusive for the sake of reality TV, but as Tyra being like a really good, caring, amazing person, which is the point of this book.
0: Yeah, she really does want to rewrite her more unhinged moments on Top Model as her caring so much that each and every one of those girls truly succeeds. When obviously that's not the case because Google where Tiffany is now.
1: I will never get over how little Top Model was able to help those women. Yeah, I just don't understand. Like they were all pretty girls. They were all tall, thin girls. Why couldn't they go on to be models? It feels like being on top model held you back more than anything else in the world.
0: From every model that I've ever known or spoken to or anything, there is almost no such thing as momentum in modeling unless you have the momentum of an absolute it girl. Like you're either number one or you're everybody else. And once you're one of the number ones, you have the opportunity to kind of break through and have some sort of longevity But being like the top girl of the season only opens the door for the potential of a career and everyone else is just everyone else. So because top model didn't get them into the number one status, they
1: were shocked at what it means to be everyone else.
0: They literally leave the show and they're just another girl. You could win America's Next Top Model. You're still not number one. You're still just another girl entering the circuit for next season. And there's, as we've learned, not a lot of money in being everybody else. There's not a lot of money in almost anything until you become the face of something. And I do think that maybe if social media had been more prevalent during the heyday of America's Next Top Model, that would have made a huge difference in a lot of these girls' careers. But Top Model itself wasn't going to do anything in the modeling world.
1: Where is Adrienne Curry? (laughs) (laughs) I noticed that she was in the Surreal Life house, but where has she been since she moved out of that
0: house? What about that girl, Eva? Eva? She was in it like two or three times.
1: Some of the craziest bitches in the world ended up in America's Next Top Model.
0: She really gives us this moment about how... Reminds her of her mother because it was a motherly moment.
1: Carolyn also says, I was never someone who put tons of emphasis on physical beauty. For me, inner beauty is so much more important. And I pass that on to Tyra. So when she looked at the girls on Top Model, she was looking at the whole girl, not just their posing or their runway walks, how they laughed, how they smiled, how they treated other people, how they lit up a room or their quest, their fire, their journey. Tyra connected to Tiffany's spirit and her potential. Tiffany was pure heart and soul. And Tyra was set on making sure that beauty rose to where she deserved to be. I just don't think that it's true. The funny thing about this book is you kind of agree with a lot of what they say and you're like, yeah, I guess this is... like I don't disagree with a lot of what they have written down, but watching Tyra interact
0: with human beings, you're like, oh, this is not right. (laughs) Actually, whatever this is in practice is just not right. I think that they have a really beautiful, playful energy up against each other. And that's why reading this just from Tyra's perspective wouldn't have had the same effect. Yeah. I think if you were reading just Tyra's side of this, you would have been like, what the fuck are you talking about? When you hear the mom have all these crazy metaphors and similes and nonsense up against Tyra's metaphors and similes and made up words, you're like, they are funny. What a dynamic duo.
1: So Tyra ends this saying that at first she wasn't even going to air that episode. She didn't think it was a good way to be portrayed. But then she said it was raw and it was real. It was emotional. Maybe even too much. Maybe it made people uncomfortable. It was one of the few times in my life that I had lost control when I cracked and everything came spilling out. People pressure celebrities to be perfect. But this is one of my most flawed moments. Did I want to put it out there for all the world to see? So they kind of turned this moment. And again, if you go back and watch the moment, it's really cruel. And it's for the purpose of... Breaking down Tiffany, which is what that whole show was about. It was about breaking down those girls emotionally. When they put it on Netflix a few years ago, I tried to rewatch it. It's and too I couldn't hard. because it was sickening. The first episode, they bring in some girl and they're like, We heard you're really poor. And the girl's like, Yeah. And Tyra's like, I've heard you like have gone through dumpsters and eaten trash even. And the girl's like, uh, yeah. And Tyra's like, tell us more about it. And you could tell the girl doesn't want to talk about it, but they're flagrant and their willingness and eagerness to exploit people's traumas and it is sickening so for tyra to turn this around is a time of being like you know we're too hard on celebrities and that's why it was important for me to be vulnerable and show you i'm just like my mom a caring incredible woman (laughs) it's kind of genius i mean it's really not what happened at all but brava it successfully sets up the rest of the book so then she says her mom is incredible and they've been through it together So I decided to write this book with my mama because my story is bananas and even more bananas when people can see that the whole journey is wrapped up in her crazy story. And her crazy story is my crazy story.
0: That's cute. They've stayed very close. Her mom is actually
1: her manager. Her momager. The asides in this book are insane. The pop culture reference is insane. I just have to read them as we go. My favorite ones. She talks about how beautiful Tyra was and she was born. And she goes, little I know that that tiny girl clinging to my belly would one day have a brain like a Jamba Juice whirling blender with no off button or a NASA rocket ship slicing through the stratosphere to discover places unknown.
0: (laughs) Okay, my favorite one is, if you compare my mama to art, she would be modern street art, like my mystery boy, Banksy. Do you know who Banksy really is? All I'm saying is Banksy art is an anagram of my first and last names. Hold up a sec while I wipe this purple paint from my fingers. Tyra, I didn't think you were Banksy. (laughs) And I still don't think you're Banksy. (laughs) And so then they're like, by the way, the rest of this book is going to be filthy,
1: filthy. It's going to be us being our real self. If you're just sh- keep reading. You'll get a lot out of it. If you've got a daughter of your own, keep reading. And they're kind of like, my mom kept it real with me. And now we're going to show you how to keep it real with your own kids. And if you didn't have a parent who kept it real with you, this is your time to learn, baby. So take notes. I, I, not a lot of learning happens.
0: Not a lot of learning, but a
1: lot of zippy zappy conversation. So chapter two is take responsibility for yourself. Half of the chapters are titled quotes from that main monologue. Should I just read the monologue real quick? She has it in here, all caps, typed up. So in case you forgot what she says when she yells at Tiffany. To Tiffany.
0: Yeah, you can read it real quick. Okay, We'll also post a clip online because I want the full context out there.
1: Be quiet, Tiffany. Be quiet. What is wrong with you? Stop (laughs) it. I have never in my life yelled at a girl like this. When my mother yells like this, it's because she loves me. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you learn something from this? When you go to bed at night, you lay there and you take responsibility for yourself because nobody's going to take responsibility for you. You roll in your eyes and you're acting like this because you've heard it all before. You've heard it all before. You don't know where the hell I come from. You had no idea what I've been through, but I'm not a victim. I grow from it and I learn. Take responsibility for yourself. I mean- there are contexts where I think this is a fucking valid monologue. And there are times I'm going to look at myself in the mirror and say,
0: Claire, when you go to bed at night, you lay there and you take responsibility for yourself because nobody's going to take responsibility for you. That's true. Next time you eat a peanut M&M. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, Claire, you roll in your eyes and you're acting like this because you've heard it all before. You've heard it all before.
1: <laughs>
0: but the context,
1: and she gets into this later. She reminds you, the context of this is... Tiffany had just been cut from America's X model because of the challenge where they had to live read a teleprompter and Tiffany really struggled with reading out loud, which by the way... Is hard. Me and Ashley, you don't hear the cuts and the edits of this
0: podcast,
1: but uh, a
0: lot of a lot of takes go into reading things, <laughs> reading one sentence <laughs> quotes about Tyra not being Banksy. <laughs> but Tiffany was having a really hard time, and she's like,
1: Tiffany thought it was personal against her. I don't know, man. It felt like if Tiffany was having a hard time feeling like she couldn't read, that's probably a deep insecurity for her. To then. Shame her over it, have her lose her spot on a reality TV show and then scream at her for not being upset enough is pretty fucking cruel.
0: Also, Tiffany had been on America's X Not Model the first season. She'd been sent home because before they even started shooting the show, she got into a fight with someone. They made her go to anger management before she could come back for the second season of the show. They let her come back for the second season of the show. And now Tyra is like, why aren't you reacting bigger to this? I don't know, Tyra, because you sent her to an anger management program that taught her to control her feelings. She's not screaming at you because she worked on herself.
1: (laughs) Damn, that was bad thinking for reality TV. (laughs) Chapter two, take responsibility for yourself, which in general, not bad advice, but in this moment mean this chapter is about when she becomes a high fashion model.
0: So she starts her career. She's initially living in Los Angeles. She was born and raised in Los Angeles. She has an L.A. agent and she's mostly a catalog model. She has a very commercial look about her. And then there's a woman from a Paris agency that comes to scout some of the L.A. models and picks Tyra. And the agency is like, her? Okay people laugh at me
1: because I always say my greatest skill in life is I'm able to tell a pretty girl from a mile away because sometimes I'll be scrolling on Instagram and one of my mutuals will have like a pretty girl in the photo and I'm like that girl is really pretty and then whenever I click on her profile it's always a model it's an off-duty model and I can scout them and people always say Claire that's not impressive the ability to look at a pretty girl and tell that she's pretty but actually as you'll see a lot of people didn't know that Tyra Banks was pretty and I could bet my bottom dollar that if I had seen her in the 90s, I would have said, that is a pretty girl. (laughs) I'm sure of it. And a lot of fucking professionals whose jobs are to see a pretty girl, they couldn't do it. They didn't have what I have. (laughs) You should have been
0: a model scout.
1: Honestly, I would have been damned good at (laughs) it.
0: Just walking around malls, figuring out who is a pretty girl. (laughs) (laughs) I love a pretty girl. Ew. So... When this Paris agent came to try and bring Tyra to Paris, they were like, all right, that doesn't really work because she's going to college next year. She was
1: so excited. She was going to go to Loyola Marymount University.
0: And she was going to study television and film.
1: And when she asked her parents, what should I do? Well, mostly her mom, because she lived with her mom. Her mom said, the choice is yours, and I'll support you whatever you decide to do.
0: She was really excited for college because she says, and I quote, I genuinely, truly, honestly, not just saying this for the benefit of all the grownups in the room, loved learning. And college was learning with an end game." studying intensely what you were interested in so that you could prepare for a career that you hopefully loved. Oh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, for the most part, this book is pretty tame and it doesn't say anything crazy. We're about to get to the one fucking unanswered crazy story of this whole thing. Now, Tyre's daddy adores his baby girl, but did that mean he was going to support her no matter what she decided to do? Boy, oh boy, was I nervous. My dad was in Papa Heaven when he had flown me across the country to visit colleges. So having to inform him that I was now Tyra, I'm just putting off college for one year to go to Paris to try to model internationally, Thanks wasn't easy. Yes, that was my legal name.
0: So they took him out for a meal. They they get him all full of his favorite foods and they say, Tyra's going to defer college for a year. And he's like, all right, go to town, baby.
1: I was so happy, amazed, amazed, but happy. My dad totally understood that I had a rare opportunity in front of me, a chance to experience the other side of the world.
0: And then they get in the car to drive home and her dad at an intersection just gets out of the car and runs away.
1: We needed to make a left-hand turn to take dad back to his house. As Moss stopped at the intersection and in the middle of a four-lane street with cars zooming around us everywhere, my dad threw open the passenger door and bolted out of my mom's Honda Accord. I have no idea where he went. He just disappeared into the night and he didn't talk to me for six months. What the hell
0: happened (laughs) between paying the bill and getting to that intersection? And where did he go? Also, it wasn't six months because then they had two weeks before Paris and he came to see her off at the airport. And
1: also, there's a photo of them at her high school graduation. So it's just not true. But
0: why did he jump out of the car in an intersection? Maybe he just like wanted to go somewhere else. Maybe he had to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Maybe they
1: filled him too full of his favorite foods.
0: Too much gravy sloshing in his belly. We hate a slosh.
1: So she has two weeks before going to Paris and her and her mom get to it. And let me tell you, I actually am really amazed at how hard they study and how hard they work. And she's like, if you're going to go, you're going to go and kick ass. You don't go and you just sashay around Paris and see what happens. You go and you fucking are prepared.
0: Yeah. So they really get down to who the heavy hitters, the big designers in Paris are, who are the photographers she wants to be working with, who are the editors she needs to know. They were like, you need a perfect runway walk. They watch... Hours of runway videos and they're like, okay, all of the best girls have a signature thing to their walk. We have to figure out what your signature thing is going to be. And they just practice, practice, practice.
1: And then they go through all of the runway looks and figure out what each designer's favorite aesthetic is. And she learns to be able to do her makeup and hair so that she can walk into each go-see, making it so that they can imagine her as a model because she'll look the way they want her to look.
0: Yeah, she realizes the clothes don't matter because you want to be in their clothes anyway, which she doesn't own. What she needs to do is have the makeup look that they find most beautiful. So she goes to Paris. She takes everything she's learned, everything they've practiced. She goes to tons of go-sees. They send her on meetings with different designers before she's even allowed to settle into her apartment.
1: Yeah, she goes straight from the airport to the office, and the office is like, well, you've got castings and
0: she books 25 shows her first season in paris which is unheard of but they didn't tell her that they're like oh 25 very standard 25 fashion shows magazine spreads up the
1: yin yang the agents at city models let me know this was standard no biggie carolyn goes the agency told me 25 fashion shows entire success was phenomenal and that most girls were lucky to book three shows she was doing so well that the agency started to get scared that her head was going to blow up like a hot air balloon and they were calling me so much that i was starting to get in trouble at my job because the phone was ringing off the hook
0: So her mom is managing her and Tyra is booking so many shows, but they don't want her to know that what she's doing is extraordinary because they think that she's really nice and they want her to stay nice.
1: Tyra even booked the cover of two French magazines, one called 20 on, which is 17, and one called Jeune and Jolie, which is young and happy, which is like the French glamour. That was a shock for almost everybody because back in the United States, no one was talking about putting a new black girl on the cover of anything. God, if you guys could see these photos of her face,
0: let me tell you, a beauty only I could have (laughs) recognized. A beauty for you and all of Paris to take note of. So she's in Paris, absolutely crushing it. I don't think she made any friends because she says that because the agency had told her what she was doing wasn't special, she would go home and with all of her model roommates be like, oh, yeah, I booked 25 shows. Oh, yeah, I booked this. I booked that. And they thought that she was bragging, like just sitting there acting humble, but shoving it in their face when really she just didn't know what she was doing was exciting.
1: So she had intended to model for one year, make some money, then go back to college, Of course, she's crushing it. And she's like, well, what do I do? Do I go back to college? She asks her mom. Her mom goes, you know I ain't going to tell you what to do. So I made the choice. You know what I chose. And kept sleeping in my LMU sweatshirt every night.
0: I cannot deal with this famous person wistfulness about college. (laughs) I'm sorry. I feel like if you just have a couple really fun weekends at some point in your 20s, you've gotten the college experience. I made friends. I lost friends. Like shit happens. It doesn't happen. You don't need to go to college. The fact that you think you're missing out on this like quintessential experience because all you did was become one of the most successful models in the world instead of going to college. Like you didn't miss anything, Tyra. I literally promise you. Paris was your classroom. <laughs> so what's her
1: advice? She says you have to do your research, boo. My biggest pet peeve on top model is when a model wannabe can't name three models who aren't Victoria's Secret Angels and think high fashion is J.Crew. You got to ask questions. You got to observe everyone and everything you can. Do your homework even if you got to assign it yourself. Then leave your ill-prepared competition in the highlighter dust because they can't keep up with your laser-focused smize.
0: I mean, I think the beginning part of that sentence was really good advice. Do your homework even if you got to assign it yourself. If you want a certain job, you have to prepare yourself for what that industry looks like. I
1: have some bad news. What? Okay, chapter three. It's called lip gloss plus pizza sauce equals boss. Why is that bad news? I just don't think it actually rhymes because the syllables are off. I love that saying.
0: I think they could have thought about it for one more second. No, I actually love it. I think I'm going to get a <laughs> tattoo on <down> my body. <laughs> so Tyra flashes forward to doing the cover of Sports Illustrated with Valeria Maza in South Africa. It was a huge deal to be on the cover of friggin' Sports Illustrated magazine. She was the first black woman
1: on the cover. And then she did another test shoot for them. And she said that the Polaroids sucked, which means the regular shoots were going to be ass. And so, or she calls them wickety whack.
0: Yeah. So then they reshot it, and that shoot ended up making the goddamn cover.
1: So she was the cover model alone in a polka dot bikini on their first ever nothing but bikini, Sports Illustrated. Does Sports Illustrated ever cover sports? Yeah. Like, How did they even come up with the idea to put a naked girl on it? It's like a weekly. I guess I've never been watching baseball and been like, you know what reminds me of this? Hot girls because I hate baseball.
0: (laughs) So they used to do the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit section, and they decided to do a Sports Illustrated Swimsuit issue, and Tyra made the cover. So she talks about going
1: to the party that launches her issue, and her photo's huge, and she's so excited, and everyone's asking her questions, and all the journalists are saying, how does it feel to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated? And that, that right there was when I lost it. I started crying on their camera and couldn't stop. In fact, I'm crying right now just thinking about it. I started telling them how I knew this moment was bigger than me, that I knew that there were little black girls who were going to see me on this cover and think that they were beautiful too. They were going to look at my photos and think, that could be me someday. This was history making. Yeah, it was a big moment for me in my career, but it was bigger than that. It symbolized the beginning of a shift in thinking where black models were standing front and center in a mass Americana way after years of being crammed on the sexy girl next door sidelines. So then she talks about a woman who had been inspirational to her the way she hopes to be inspirational to young girls. Vanessa
0: Williams...
1: And so she just tells a story about going to school in L.A. and her and her best friend Kenya Barris, who is a very big deal now. They were competing
0: in like a speech competition about people who've inspired them. And he did his on Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> and <laughs> she did hers on Vanessa Williams. And she practiced her speech thousands upon thousands of times and then got up on stage and got so scared that she ran off stage and then she realized she had to go out there, do it for Vanessa Williams. She went out there, couldn't remember her speech, but just wung it and had the greatest speech anyone's ever seen. Kenya was screaming. The audience was screaming. Standing
1: O. People are brought to their feet in tears over how good of a speech she had
0: done. And when I read this, I was like, that probably happened. And then reading the rest of this book, the amount of times that you see that exact story cadence Tyra has an opportunity to do something. Tyra is too scared to do something. Tyra thinks about not doing that thing. She ends up doing it. Absolutely crushes. Does it better than anyone has ever done it before in the literal history of time. Goes on to pave a new path for every person who's ever followed her. That is every 10 pages.
1: <laughs> so then she moves on to her time in school. And I just love this transition. She's talk about how amazing that felt. That moment felt like royal magic. I was being celebrated for being authentic and for not giving up and that felt damn good. But then a few summers later, something happened and my body, well, it gave up on me.
0: Gave up on you is a weird way to describe going through a growth spurt. Yeah, she grew a lot and then didn't gain any weight. And so she looked just like a walking noodle. And also (laughs) she had a
1: walking noodle.
0: Yeah, (laughs) like when a noodle walks around,
1: you just feel like you're bullying her now.
0: (laughs) So she was a noodle and much like a noodle her joints like didn't stick together. So her, <laughs> her hips were always dislocating when she walked. Listen, I had a painful, crazy growth spurt and I didn't even become a model out of it.
1: People were mean to her. People called her a skinny, ugly ass monster. She was crushed beyond heartbroken. She got A's in everything except for gym where she got a C cause she didn't want to change it from the other kids. And it was just really hard because for two years of her life, she wasn't very beautiful and There's never a more important two years in your life than being 11 and being 12. And nobody knew what was wrong with her. She had to keep going to the doctors and they were like, why is she so skinny? They thought she had a disorder. They thought she had giant's disease. And they couldn't get to the bottom what the fuck was wrong with her. They were giving her blood tests and everything. And then finally a doctor just goes, show me her dad as a kid. And they brought a photo of her dad as a kid. And it turns out he was a gangly ass noodle too. Noodle runs in the family. (laughs) The N in DNA stands for noodles. That's true. (laughs) Daddy Noodle association
0: your daddy's a noodle <laughs> it's a little too far now okay <laughs> i was gonna say sometimes you get someone's noodly arms. sometimes you get their noodle that's brain i'm pointing to my head but either way the noodle gets passed down <laughs> oh you get to keep going but i can't keep
1: going you get to get your last noodle word <laughs> fine in? do another no i'm done okay <laughs> but i'm leaving mine in too okay
0: <laughs> go on or don't
1: pit <laughs> us against each
0: other don't do it There's enough noodles for everybody. Okay, fine. If you'd like us to try more noodle jokes, tweet at us. Hashtag, I think you could keep talking about noodles if there's more in the tank. Hashtag, few more noodles in the bowl if anyone's down to grab them.
1: (laughs) That's what we will respond to you
0: to let you know you've
1: been heard. A perfect activation campaign.
0: Come to us for your branding needs. I hope we get that girl boss town stamp of approval. Anyway,
1: people bully Tyra. Tyra was bullying people. My brother and I were arch rivals, and he bullied the heck out of me at home. I still blame him for my elementary school mean streak—the whole "I must be a bully to get my power back" thing. But for some reason, when it came to my weight, he rallied around me. So
0: she talks about this a few times. She talks about being like a mean kid because she, her brother, was so mean to her at home that she would then take that and go to the playground and see who she could be mean to, to just feel better about herself. And I think that's very astute. Her and her mom obviously get along and go
1: great together, but there's always that funny phrase that is your core wound. And she has this memory of one time a friend came to see her and said, is Tyra home? And her mom said, let me see if I can find her skinny butt. And she's like, can you believe? My mom made fun of me My own mother. I
0: ran to my bathroom and locked myself in and cried and screamed. Anyway, Anyway, so then she has a friend at school who's going to try modeling, and she wants- Wait, no,
1: you have to intro it the way she intros it. And then something crazy happened. (laughs) Something crazy on the first day of school in ninth grade.
0: A girl comes up to her, and she says, Aromada? And she's like, what is this girl talking about?
1: What was that girl talking about?
0: She's saying, are you a model? But is it ever explained why she couldn't enunciate? I don't know. I think it's maybe Tyra's- Remember, she has like a Jamba Juice brain? (laughs) I think she was hearing it slurred. She couldn't hear this
1: woman over the blast off of the rocket ship. That was her noodle.
0: <laughs> anyway, so this girl's like, are you a model? And Tyra's like, me? A model? I'm an ugly monster. And this girl's like, no, I'm trying to be a model. I want to go get some test shots done. And they keep on saying that Tyra's mom is a photographer, which she is, is a medical photographer at a hospital, but she still has access to cameras in dark rooms, so they go to Tyra's mom's work and she takes a bunch of test shots of them and because this other girl feels like a natural in front of the camera and Tyra still feels a bit stiff Tyra feels like her mom is mean to her and she leaves in a huff and doesn't allow her photo to be taken ever again but ever again I think means like four to six months
1: her mom kept saying oh you're doing great you're doing great beautiful gorgeous and then with Tyra she'd be like you need to relax loosen up and so Tyra again runs away locks herself in the bathroom and screams and cries
0: then she kind of gets it in her again where she's like, maybe I will try this modeling thing. I don't really know what the exact tide switch was.
1: Well, she gets her braces off. So that's one thing. And then she puts on a couple of pounds, fills out a bit. And then people are walking up to her on the street constantly saying, you should be a model.
0: She's very tall and beautiful.
1: Again, I guess some other people have the Claire gift.
0: <laughs> I was
1: saying that six foot girl with huge knockers and a perfect face. I wonder if there's something something she could do with that.
0: She does some more test shots with her mom. Her and her mom get really into it. They're just always driving around the city with a camera, taking photos whenever possible. Some are good. Some are some
1: of the worst photos I've ever seen in my life.
0: Yeah, but some are good. But some
1: are so bad.
0: But some are so... She's so pretty. Anyway, so then they go to a bunch of modeling agencies with this book of photos that they made. And a lot of them say no, which I guess they don't have the Claire gift.
1: Tyra had made a list of the top 10 modeling agencies. So we start at the top... Everyone's telling her what's wrong with her. Your lips are too poochy. Your feet are major flat. Your eyes are too far apart, which is ironic because someone once made fun of me for having my eyes be too close together. And it's like, well, where should the eyes be? There's only but so many inches on the face. That's so true. About my eyes being too close together? No,
0: about where should they go? Tyra says, I always tell people, just because you look like a model doesn't mean you got to be one. You can't just have the look. You have to have the strength and fortitude to fight rejection every single day. And I think that that is really good advice. I think just because you're beautiful doesn't mean that has to be your source of income.
1: For a lot of girls that first know is all it takes. They're done with modeling after that. And often I don't blame them more power to them even because they know themselves and know that this cutthroat business is not for them because the rejection you're going to face as a working model is 100 times worse than the rejection you will face just trying to get signed. Finally, she gets rejected by everybody except for LA models who says to her just for runway work because you don't have the face for photos.
0: Who is this idiot? There's like some other people within their agency who are very racist towards her, but she sticks it out. And her biggest breakthrough is she actually gets booked and shot for a
1: Seventeen magazine editorial and she brings it to her agency and she's so happy and excited. And she's like, see, I can be in a magazine. I am pretty enough. And the receptionist says black models don't have a chance in this industry. So I suggest you learn to type because next you'll be applying for my job. What a fucking bitch. And I wish also, we had that girl's name. What a bitter little... I mean, she's probably dead still being a receptionist. She's probably
0: Satan's receptionist now. So then she heads out to France. She's hugely successful for her first couple seasons there. And then she starts gaining a bit of weight, which if you've seen photos of Tyra Banks in the 90s...
1: That was her post-weight gain.
0: The Tyra Banks that we know and have seen mostly photographed is post-weight gain Tyra Banks. I mean, but we know, like, runway models,
1: especially in Europe, they want them emaciated. I guess she had giant boobs now, and that was horrible for the people in Europe. And her mom, who was her manager, flew out there and said, The minute this biz doesn't feel good anymore, you get up and walk away. You can quit and I will not be disappointed. You are not stuck here. You have a brain, a brilliant and creative one at that. So the minute you feel like you have to suffer to keep your paycheck coming in, you have my blessing. You can leave and you should leave.
0: Her mom says, I did not want Tyra to fall into the trap of thinking she had to live up to some silly idea of the perfect body. She says also because I had watched Tyra be so sad about her body
1: as a preteen and I wasn't going to go through that again in the opposite direction. And we already cried about being too skinny. We can't cry about not being skinny enough.
0: So she's telling her mom, like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to watch what I eat. And her mom says, No, we're going to order a pizza. And she's like, What the hell are you talking about? And her mom is like, We are going to order a pizza and we are going to think of every single person in the modeling industry and every single company that does campaigns that have quote unquote unconventional. Models Or
1: like a curvier girl. She said, who likes your ass?
0: (laughs) So they start writing it down. I mean, Guess was doing all those tush campaigns. There's Victoria's Secret, Secret.
1: Sports Illustrated, Middle America (laughs) is a category, Cindy Crawford, Claudia Schiffer.
0: So they send the list to her agency and they say, figure out how we can work with these companies and we're done with high fashion. And she talks about how it was really hard to hang up the couture. But I do think that was the smartest thing because like we said before, it's like one or the rest. And I think that if she had stayed on the runways doing Couture, she would have been part of the rest.
1: And her agency was like, you can't give up on Couture, even though Couture had given up on her. Yeah. And they were ready just to kick her the curb and say, well, you had three years. Most people don't even get that. So give up. And she really plowed him down. The weirdest thing is that coming out of this conversation where her agency is essentially dropping her, they offer her mom the job of managing a different model. And they're like, hey, Tyra sucks, but you're great. You want to stick around? And she's like, no. Also, Tyra says at this point that She didn't know that models had eating disorders. She had eaten her whole life since the time she was trying to gain weight as a kid. She loves barbecue and pizzas. And she had no idea that anybody else suffered, which is kind of insightful to how disconnected she must have been from literally everyone around her.
0: I know. I really do wonder if it's because in that first season she showed up being like, I booked everything that none of the other girls maybe ever talked to her again. Like, I just don't know how you can live in a model house and not be aware of eating disorders.
1: I also don't know how you could live in a model house and not be aware of what actually is standard for models. It seems like you'd only have to say that one time and somebody would go, oh, that's actually really good.
0: I guess she like didn't talk to anybody.
1: She only communicates via Tyra Mail and that's actually always been true.
0: (laughs) So she ends up booking Victoria's Secret and she does a shoot with them. They have a hairstylist who's never worked with black hair before and just really destroys her. The shoot goes terribly. They send her home because she looks so bad they can't even shoot it. And she's just distraught because this was her dream. And she says she tries to not get hung up on certain clients or just one drop in the bucket. But she's like, this didn't feel like a drop in the bucket to me. This felt like my future. She was right. And she insists that her mom call back and try to get her another shoot with Victoria's Secret. And her mom's like, you got to fight this battle on your own. To which I say, you are her manager. That was a fair ask. But she ends up calling her agency and begs them to get her in with Victoria's Secret again. Somehow they do. She shoots. As we know, she became part of the first cast of Victoria's Secret Angels. She did
1: her own hair and makeup. She came in with her own hair done. And when the woman did her makeup, she went to the bathroom and did it herself. And she becomes the first Victoria's Secret SimSuit edition cover girl, the original angel, the first black angel. I guess if you're the original angel and you're a black woman, then you're also the first black angel. That feels like redundant.
0: Yeah. First black model with a Victoria's Secret contract. First black model to wear the Victoria's Secret fantasy bra. And the first black model to wear the Victoria's Secret fantasy bra twice. I don't know. Okay, so I will say... So then she jumps ahead to the Sports Illustrated 50 Years of the Swimsuit Issue party where they have a whole award show and her cover is named the third best. And she goes up and makes a speech about what it meant to be up there as a black model that kind of paved the way for black girls to believe that they were beautiful and how she got friggin' slammed for people saying, like, it's not about race. And she was like, it literally was when I was doing it. So it's... And she tries to be pretty diplomatic. She's like, hey... Maybe the ignorance is a
1: good thing. Maybe the fact that people think it's not about race means we've come so far. But she's like, we haven't. So maybe read a book. Learn something. Read this book. Learn something from
0: this. (laughs) And she says, yeah, there are still a lot of people who are heavily in control of the industry who don't book black people. So think about that next time you want to call her swimsuit edition cover not important.
1: Here's a quote that I love from Carolyn. It's easy to say woe is me and go back to bed. It's comfortable and cozy in those final sheets where you just go to blame other people for everything that's gone wrong in your life. It is harder to get up and fight when life's drama stares you in the face. Did you hear what I said? Drama, not trauma. Trauma is an uncontrollable circumstance that happens to you that requires therapies, counseling, and medical and or psychological treatment. Drama is an excuse.
0: Then we get to Ain't No Party, like a period party. And this is where when Tyra gets her period, instead of allowing it to be a taboo moment, Carolyn has read about other cultures where they really celebrate a woman getting her period and becoming a woman. And they have a big party for it. So she invites all of Tyra's friends over. They have a party. She teaches them all about every single product in the period aisle and really makes it fun to have had your period. She
1: says she was watching the National Geographic and in other cultures, they celebrate this transition to womanhood and she's like in America it's something that people are just ashamed of and she's like I don't want Tyra to feel ashamed I want her to feel celebrated and excited I don't want being a woman to be a burden
0: and I love this I really liked it too
1: and listen one thing about Carolyn she'll admit when she was wrong so she talks about how she made these goodie bags for everybody with all of the period care things that you would get from the aisle. In addition was like douching and like vaginal cleaners, which she's like, "I now know that that's actually really bad for you and I am sorry that I gave that to you and I'm sorry that I told your friends to use it because I was misinformed." And I was like, "All right." Wow. Well. spreading information. She also talks about for Carolyn what getting your period was like as a woman, I guess in the 40s or something. It sounds awful. You had to wear like a garter belt, a girdle. Okay, you had to wear a girdle belt <laughs> that you would clip
0: with metal clamps. A giant diaper to essentially
1: they hadn't invented adhesive yet they didn't have tape 60 years ago
0: yeah it sounds unpleasant so the next chapter is about the sex talk she talks about her mom sitting her down for a very raw sex talk and she says i gotta admit though the rawness works while many of my buddies were squirming in the sheets doing all kinds of uncensored lip and hip play with boys they weren't sure they even liked i was only squirming in my seat from embarrassment at my mom's lack of censorship
1: so similarly to the period situation, Carolyn learned from the mistakes she felt her mother made, which was not explaining sex to her. She said growing up, there was one day of sex that in school where they separated the boys and the girls. She had the flu that day, so she didn't know anything. Nobody explained anything to her. She had no idea where babies came from. She had a vague notion of what sex was. And so she got pregnant the second time she had sex by this older man who kind of manipulated her as a teenager.
0: One of the things I really liked about this chapter is that even though she did this like grand conversation where she decided to really explain the nitty gritty of what sex is, how men will try to trick you into having it. You like should have sex when you like someone and when you want to, but don't let someone manipulate you X, Y, Z. It wasn't easy for her. I feel like we have this whole thing of like, you should just have the sex talk and it's just going to be an open and honest conversation. She was really afraid to have this conversation. So she manipulated the situation so that she and Tyra were taking a long train ride from L.A. to San Diego because she's like, once we were on the train, no one could run anywhere. And I think that's a funny and hilarious and also cute thing to have organized to be like, for me, this isn't going to be an easy conversation to get out. For you, this isn't going to be an easy conversation to hear. We will be trapped on a train.
1: (laughs) She also warns Tyra that Boys are going to touch you and it's going to feel good. And he's going to whisper things. And he's going to touch you in ways you've never been touched before. And you're going to feel loved like you've never felt love before. And then right at that moment, he will utter eight words that every young woman has to watch out for. Can I stick it in a little bit?
0: (laughs) And she's like, what? No, disgusting. Never. And then a couple years later, she's making out with a guy. It's getting hot and heavy. And he says, can I stick it in a little bit? And she's like, oh, my God, my mom was right about everything. And she says, no.
1: She talks about her son. So Tyra has a brother, Devin, who's six years older than her. And I just think this is cute. She goes, my baby boy meant the world to me. And he has grown up to be one of the smartest people I've ever known in my life. He has three master's degrees and recently retired as a major after 28 years in the United States Air Force. When he was nine years old, his favorite hobby was reading the world atlas. Instead of playing video games, he could play the drums, guitar and piano by ear. And he made the best zucchini bread I ever tasted. It's just a very cute
0: description of a little boy. (laughs) So then they talk about Tyra having sex for the first time. Someone said, can I stick it in a little bit? And she, instead of recoiling, thought, yeah, I would like that. And they did it. She runs and tells her mom immediately. She says, mommy, I have to tell you something and immediately started crying.
1: I knew what was up immediately. Baby, I said what's wrong, even though I knew. And so she takes her to get condoms and says, here's the thing. There are plenty of parents out there who think that abstinence education works for everyone. And that if you tell them not to have sex, they will listen and they won't do it. I wish that was always the case and that everyone listened to the warnings and decided not to have sex until they were married. But if kids want to have sex, it's pretty difficult and at times impossible to stop them. I wish we all could, though, believe me. Rarely can you stop them, but you can arm them. And I arm mine with a pack of Trojans complete with
0: nanoxinol 9. And then they talk about some of Tyra's exes. It's not that interesting, just that sometimes Carolyn didn't like them. I think it's interesting that this is the only mention of men really in this book. They do not dictate her life.
1: And she barely brings up her own kid.
0: Only two or three times in passing. But, and she doesn't bring up the father of that kid at all.
1: All the boyfriends, it seems like she's ever had sucked. So they do kind of joke about bad boyfriends. So Carolyn's good about never saying how she feels. She lets Tyra make her own decision because she's like, if you say no to the boyfriend, that'll just push them together. But Tyra's like, I never bring a man home because the minute he walks in the door, I know how my mom feels.
0: (laughs) Then we get to a chapter called We're All Rooting For You. And this chapter opens with an anecdote about a girl coming up to Tyra at a book signing with a black eye asking for advice about how to cover a black eye when you're in an abusive relationship and tyra doesn't have a response but she's like it got me thinking
1: i should have jumped up and yelled at the whole crowd to wait while this girl and i went and found a private aisle and hashed out what was really going on right there surrounded by laundry detergent and litter boxes and packs of tube socks but instead while i was in shock and couldn't think of what to say she took her signed book back from me and disappeared into the crowd okay i get that you're not prepared to handle a question like that at a book signing in a walmart but then her mom was like, this happened to her all the time. And she lists out all these horrible things that were happening to these young girls that would come up to her and like confess to her at book signings. And you're like, okay, Tyra. Well, I think after this happened twice that you need to figure out a system to help people in need. So she does. It's not the system I would have
0: come up with. <laughs> it's not the system I would have come up with. But I do think what she should have done is familiarize herself with various hotlines, perhaps made business cards with the hotlines on them and given them to the girls who needed them. Instead, she creates a camp, an overnight camp for insecure girls called T-Zone. I thought of the name as a play on T as in my name, obvious, but also (laughs) as the oily parts of your face, forehead, nose, and chin that are prone to breakouts. I wanted my T-Zone girls to break out of their shells. You're the pimple. Be the pimple. I want my girls to be the pus inside of their face ready to pop out with the right squeeze.
1: What a goofy thing to call teenage girls who are insecure about their looks.
0: I just don't know if that's what I would have called it or I don't know that I would have admitted that I was calling them the oily part of your face. So she has this camp and they do like a week overnight where they talk about their insecurities and boys and sex and periods. I guess I do actually think this is like a good idea. I just don't know that if, that Tyra Banks was the one to execute it.
1: I also just don't know that a supermodel is like the person that you want telling you it's okay to be a go. Yeah. I don't know that if I was a teenage girl being like, I'll never look like the girls in the posters. If that girl came out of the poster and was like, what if we went to camp and talked about it? I wouldn't feel better. Uh, Not with you though. (laughs) So she had some games that she invented. It does
0: not seem like she worked with. She had counselors there. There were like, like people who can handle topics.
1: Are you sure they weren't like camp counselors? Okay, well, it seems like a lot of the games that they played for self-confidence building were tiresome inventions. And she goes, I stole a lot of my ideas. And I was like, please, dear God, from a book. And it's like, from my mom. And I'm like, okay, oh, God. So the games were like, she would bring all these girls into a circle and make them talk about the things they hated about their body. And then she would try to get them to say one thing they loved about their body. And a lot of times they couldn't come up with anything. And then she taught them about the 3H trifecta. Here's how you handle insecurities in somebody else. First, humor. Teach them to laugh at it. Second, Hey, hot honey. Kick off internal self-esteem boosting with a little external validation, even if someone is reluctant to accept it. People with low self-esteem often don't trust themselves. So knowing that someone else thinks they're all bad in a bag of salted caramel corn is like a jump start, so that they can get the self-love buzzing. Third, harsh truths. This always comes last after you've dissected the problem. So yeah, one of your eyes is a little smaller than the other, I'd say to a girl after I just told her how stunning her eyes were and she pushed back. So what are you going to do about it? Is that something you can change? No, right? Well, I'm going to show you what to do about it. And child, it's called strategic eyeliner. Ever heard of that? No? Well, you're about to become a master of it.
0: She also says T-Zone planted the seeds for the Tyra Banks show because that's where she began to see her personal brand was all about validating girls and teaching women to recognize their own beauty and self-worth. And then her mom says
1: Tyra learns to love female friendship because she grew up looking at her own mom and her mom had a band of women that all helped each other out. I could not have done a lot of the things I was able to accomplish in my life if I had not had the support that came from being surrounded by these women. Tyra grew up seeing that and her whole career has been her way of taking that dining room table and adding a whole lot of extra chairs. So then Tyra goes into a rant about women who don't trust other women. And she says, don't even give me that. I'm just so pretty that they're all jealous BS. That just makes me roll my eyes so hard. They might file right out of my head. I've been a supermodel and I've been surrounded by wonderful, super close female friends my entire life.
0: (laughs) I'm pretty and I have friends. So you're not too pretty. I agree with her. The thing is, and this is maybe problematic, I agree with a lot of what she says in this book. Embrace your beauty. So then they talk about how when Tyra was born, she just immediately had the most beautiful eyes. No one could believe it. No one knew where they came from. She looked like an alien, but like in a beautiful way.
1: But her mom didn't like how much attention she got for having light eyes because she says a lot of times when black babies have light eyes, that's all anyone talks about. And she thinks that Tyra needs to grow up knowing there's more to her than that. And Tyra's like, now I have a child that also has light eyes, and I completely understand why she felt that way. And her mom was like, I'd always try to praise her other qualities, like her ability to tell jokes, her dance moves, her self-guided focus when she was doing her homework. And Tyra says, so back to this eye thing. People spend so much time talking about color, blue, green, hazel, lavender, but they fail to realize it's also about eye shape, length, and thickness of eyelashes, how your eyebrows from your face, and even the size of the iris. So whether you have eyes that are light colored or even an awesome shape like Jasmine from Aladdin's, When you're so pretty, so beautiful, so gorgeous, so perfect, is the go-to compliment for little girls. They start thinking that that's their sole worth. So I'm kind of confused. She's like, there's more to somebody than their eye color. It's about their eye shape. It's about their iris size. She talks about how people can be beautiful at all ages. I mean, they have a lot of good advice. She's like, when you tell a woman that she's beautiful, like you think, oh, it's bad to tell somebody they're not beautiful. That hurts their feelings. But when you tell a woman that she's beautiful, she starts to internalize that her only value and asset is her beauty. And now she's afraid of aging and losing it. And she talks about the crazy things women in Hollywood have done to stay youthful looking because they think that's all they have to offer.
0: Yeah, and she says when outer beauty is all you've got and you're not intelligent or kind, people will get tired of your crap real fast. You'll even get tired of yourself.
1: Carolyn, her mom, loves getting older. She says, I try to embrace my age. She started getting gray hair and she let it grow out and she loved it. So much so that when she wears wigs, she actually specifically gets salt and pepper wigs. I love that. Then they tell them a story about how getting older is great because you don't care what anybody thinks about you. Eight. Fix it or flaunt it.
0: Okay. So this is where they talk about their biggest insecurities. Tyra's biggest insecurity is having cellulite in her touche. She says there's nothing she can do
1: about it. It's not an age thing. It's not a weight thing. She's just always had it, which is true. It's just genetic.
0: It's just genetic and it's common. And she is objectively one of the most beautiful women in the world. And she
1: talks about how she's always hit it. Heading to the beach. Don't let me forget my sarong. Dating a new man. Well, for the first six months, I'll just walk backward when I get out of bed. I don't want him to look over in the morning as the first rays of sun hit my cottage cheese thighs and think, "Dang, I thought she was a supermodel. What the hell is all that?" Almost every woman has an Achilles heel when it comes to body confidence, whether it's her cankles, bingo wings, turkey necks, <laughs> thunder thighs, or muffin tops. So mine just happens to be my bumpy butt.
0: Here's the thing: is I appreciate her frank talk about like perceived flaws. But I also feel like hearing this from a supermodel, like the way she talks about these things. I'm like, I don't know, Tyra. I feel like this is where she lost me a little bit because I agree. But also, I don't know. She says, learning to love the thing that you hate or have been teased about can't always be done. If you can't figure out a way to flaunt it, then you have a right to fix it. I agree. This wasn't even a conversation even four years ago when this book came out. But I feel like it's about redefining what flaw means and not being like, yeah, your turkey neck is disgusting. Get (laughs) surgery. Actually, she literally does redefine flaw. She comes with the word (laughs) flossom
1: on the very next page, which you just keep reading. Because she actually likes some people's flaws, like freckles.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But if you have cellulite, you better put on a fucking skirt. (laughs) That's the thing is she does get so close. I don't even begrudge her for it.
1: I actually love her because then she goes on a whole big forehead rant about how you might think having a big forehead is bad, but actually in modeling, it's been good because it makes her go from high fashion because high fashion models are like freaky looking to low fashion because she could put on clip on bangs anytime she wants. And that's a good hint for me to remember. And she brings up the renaissance about how back in the day, people used to pluck their hairlines to make their foreheads bigger, which is something my mom often says to me. She (laughs) often says, Claire, in the renaissance, this was considered the height of beauty. And I say, mom.
0: I don't want to be hot in the Renaissance. I want to be hot now. That's what I used to say about my paleness. People used to say people would have thought you might be very, very rich in the olden times. (laughs) I don't want to be rich yesterday. I want to be rich tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I guess power to your flossom flaws. Oh, yeah. She goes on this rant that Claire loves about how natural beauty is overrated because no one even worked that hard for it.
1: One of her things that she couldn't learn to love was her nose. But her nose, it's different than how you might hate your nose because when she was three, she fell down and it ruined her nose in a way that nobody's ever seen. And her nose also kept growing, which is unique to her and very freaky. And they were worried about it because everyone else's nose is just famously stops growing.
0: Yeah. So she got a nose job. She gives a long winding wind up to it. And then she just did. So good for her. I do want to get back to the thing we were talking about, but usually I'm all for women doing whatever they want
1: to do because let's face it, natural beauty is unfair. I'll say it again. Natural beauty is friggin' unfair. Yeah, I said it. It's pure luck. And then she talks about how you wouldn't respect somebody who won the lottery or somebody who was born rich. So why praise a naturally beautiful woman and say she's good at
0: life? Let's face it. It's not like she worked hard for that natural beauty. It's true. Kim Kardashian is the most beautiful woman. No, she was born beautiful. She just has a different beauty now than she did then. I don't really know
1: where she's going. I, I, I can't explain it. I don't disagree with much of what she says. However, I don't ever know where she's going. So yeah. Then she's like, look up a picture of me without makeup. I'm not even beautiful. And I'm like,
0: yeah, you are, Tyra. <laughs> like, literally, you are. Sorry.
1: So then she talks about an article she read by Janet Mock called Being Pretty is a Privilege, but we refuse to acknowledge it. I smacked the table and yelled hallelujah when I read that. She damn near blew my mind because she was articulating so many thoughts I'd had over the years and blowing open a whole new conversation. These are exactly the kinds of things we need to be talking about when we talk about beauty.
0: I'm glad Tyra realizes it. And she says, especially
1: because we tend to look down on women who try to make themselves more beautiful so that they can get a little bit of that same privilege and power. So I guess she's saying here, it's not fair to make fun of women who get plastic surgery because they are participating in a patriarchal society where they are being held back if they don't do those things. But we should actually value them more than we value naturally beautiful people because it's not even fair to be born beautiful. I mean, I guess she really respects Kylie Jenner. Yeah. And then... Also, I don't know if she knows that she's naturally beautiful because then she has this thing where she's like, look at me without makeup. It's all fake. And I'm like, no, it's not. But then she ends with this. As more and more women embrace the beautification tools that are available to them and those tools become easier and easier to use, it's not too inconceivable to think that soon we'll be rolling through the drive-thru to get some cheek implants with our iced blueberry decaf green tea mocha quinoa unicorn pegasus framboozles. I think we'll all see a big shift in the perception of beauty. Interesting, Tyra. I wonder what that shift is.
0: She says everyone should be their floss and self, but also don't get hung up on natural versus unnatural beauty because the end result is all the same. Your reflection should make you smise because you look just how you want to look. When it comes to beauty, it ain't where you're from. It's where you're at. I mean, that's the thing is I agree, but I also feel like it's weird to read a woman in her 40s being like pretty people
1: might have it easier. It's just nothing is cohesive. It's kind of like listening to you talk. It really starts <laughs> somewhere and ends somewhere else. And I don't know how we got to that road. It's very topsy-turvy and I don't really know what her perspective is on it.
0: I guess she doesn't know either. She's figuring it out. Like these are all really new concepts to her. Because now that she's older, she's experiencing beauty from a slightly older perspective. She's experiencing beauty from the perspective of it's more than just skin deep. It affects the entire culture. These are all very new concepts to her. and she's Her mind is juicing a mile a minute.
1: Here are some of her favorite flossom beauty traits on a beautiful person like you. Freckles, frizzy hair, unibrow's bald head, a shit front tooth, different color eyes, eyes that are too far apart, very square heads, super round faces, tiny boobies, five heads, skin that is two or more different colors, being super tall, being super short, a crooked smile, a mole in the wrong place.
0: She goes on to explain how some of these perceived flaws slash blossom traits have inspired her tie-overs, which are makeovers done by Tyra on America's Next Top Model, which is one of the things America's Next Top Model is most famous for. Some of her tie-overs have been quite controversial. And she explains making one girl close her gap tooth while making another girl widen her gap tooth and how it has a lot to do with the business and making someone bookable because she calls herself a model mentor slash beauty crusader. And sometimes those things don't necessarily go hand in hand. And her beauty crusader self has to kind of fight her model mentor self to find the perfect balance of beauty.
1: She says that being a model is about having a look that is edgy, weird, interesting, or unforgettable. There are no hard and fast rules for a tie over because I'm always looking at the individual and asking myself, what does she need to take her look and career to the next level? Modeling is a fluid and always changing industry, so each model has to take trends and timing into account when she's launching her career. You don't want to go in looking like everybody else, but you also don't want to go in with a look that's so off trend that you'll never get booked. True. But you know what's always fresh and on-trend? Delicious dinners.
0: If you're getting back into your normal routine after a crazy summer, the hustle and the bustle, the sunshine, the beaches, who the heck knows where you've been, now it's time to get back to your regular schedule and lunch and dinner are covered with Freshly. Right now, for a limited time, you can unlock exclusive end-of-summer savings with $125 off your first five orders. You'll get delicious, nutritious, prepared meals delivered right to your door, never frozen, ready to enjoy in just three minutes, no cooking. Every single pan in your house will remain spotless as can be because guess what? The cooking is non-existent. (laughs) Freshly fits into your lifestyle with plans tailored to every single dietary preference. Choose from their signature collection or try their gluten-free, dairy-free, plant-based, carb-smart, or calorie-conscious menus. Always perfectly portioned, whether you're shopping for one or for the whole family. Having one less thing on your plate never tasted so good. Take advantage of Freshly's end-of-summer sale and score a special deal, $125 off your first five orders at Freshly.com worm when you order today. That's Freshly.com slash worm, Freshly.com slash worm for $125 off your first five orders.
1: So basically, she explains that when she's torturing these women, it's because she wants to help them become models and being a model isn't about being pretty. And she even says that to be a true high fashion model, you had to have cried at some point in high school because you were so freaking weird looking. You know, Tyra is very unconventional and odd. And it takes a specific eye like mine. <laughs> to notice her beauty. She's not the kind of girl a boy would like. Let me tell you. That. <laughs> she also says that some a modeling agent comes up to her at a party and like gets mad at her because he says. Heart open calls are overrun because of your show. Now everybody in America thinks they can be a model. And she's like, I'm so proud to hear
0: that everybody thinks that they're beautiful. Tyra, I don't know, I don't know if everyone should think that they should be a model.
1: This chapter just winds and winds and whines. I really do think she had a 10 chapter book. And she's like, one of these chapters will be about beauty and makeovers and self-esteem and plastic surgery. And it turned out that that was like 90% of the pages. So the last section of this chapter is about a conversation she has with Cindy Crawford, where Cindy Crawford refers to herself when she's all made up as the thing, which I actually find quite interesting. And she's like, I'm a person. And then after I've been hair, makeup, glammed, retouched, shot, styled, I am the thing. And the thing is the product I offer people. And it's separate from who I am as a person. And Tara's like, yeah, that's how I feel when I'm an entrepreneur, when I'm a mom, when I'm walking down the street while I'm grocery shopping, I'm Tyra. But when I'm on set, I'm the thing. And that is a different entity than who I am as a human. I just think in a world where more and more people are becoming content creators and more and more people's selves are becoming their livelihood and the product, that is a very interesting divide to make. And I actually was very interested to hear how Cindy Crawford maintains her personhood. She also says, as a woman, you have options A and B. Option A is to be completely natural standing there in nothing but a pair of granny panties without even a touch of mascara, no retouching and bad posture. Some women who see that start sweating in their Spanx and doubting, thinking maybe they're just fake superficial chicks after all. Option B is the red carpet and the glossy spreads of fashion magazines full of women who are 5'10", 110 pounds. Social media where all the stars of the gram are edited until they're just one blur away from turning into an anime character. So those are your two options. You can be in granny panties or you can be on a red carpet. We all know this to be true. Yeah. That's something that we've all taken for granted. You can be the uggoist bitch just living in a cave, no toothbrush. Or you could be Nicole Kidman. Claire.
0: Yeah. Is there an option C? Actually,
1: (laughs) Tyra recently came up with one, and she's here to advocate for it. Option C, you do you. Oh. I love me some makeup because I believe it's the great beauty equalizer. It's leveling the playing field one cosmetics bag at a time. Want cheekbones? Honey, paint them on. Want fierce eyebrows? A little pencil here, a little brow groomer there, and boom. As much as I want to tell women to be confident in who they are, I also want them to know that there's no shame in a little contour here and a little tuck there. A tuck and a contour are different. I
0: agree. (laughs) Okay, so they're talking about the beauty bus, right? And Carolyn says, after years of crying herself to sleep over her reflection, when the bus stopped for Tyra, she hopped on. But before she took her front row seat, she held the door open for millions of other girls to get on the bus, and she's still holding it. I bet her arms hurt, but it's worth it. And I just want to wonder, I guess I wonder how much of the beauty industry Tyra changed. She is so mean to people on TV. I have personally watched her make a lot of women cry about how they look. Me too. And all of America has. Anyway, so the next chapter is about the infamous bathing suit incident, which alongside Jessica Simpson is one of the biggest national botting shaming incidents I personally have witnessed. For those of you who don't remember, Tyra Banks was paparazzi photoed wearing a bathing suit in which she looked, I guess, cellulite-y. And everyone posted about how much she let herself go and how the supermodel was like supersized.
1: And she says that she actually weighed what she always weighs. And so the next day or when she landed in the U.S. and the photos got published, people would come up to her and go, how did you lose all that weight so quickly? And she she's like, it's just lighting and angles. And so she says she couldn't live... Letting women who saw her in public, seeing the size she is, see how badly she had been treated by the media, and then feel bad about themselves. Kind of like, well, if that's what everyone hates on a cover of a magazine, what does that say about me?
0: I mean, someone turned to her at the grocery store. I don't know if we believe this story happened, but someone turned to her crying and said, if they're calling you fat, what am I? So she decides to address it on her talk show. And last minute, she decides that instead of just addressing it and cursing out the media and cursing out the paparazzi, she's going to go change into the bathing suit, which luckily is on set, and come out, surprise the audience, surprise her mom, surprise everyone, and make a big Vanessa Williams-style impromptu speech about how fucked up the media is.
1: I will say, the timeline of this is the photo gets taken in Australia. Two weeks later, the photo runs. They spend a week on set working with producers to think about how they're going to respond to it. And then... The episode is taped and airs two weeks after that.
0: So it's not really like a an immediate response, but it's still yeah. powerful. And she wants to reshoot it because she started crying when she made this impromptu speech. But the producer says, no, watch this. It's real. It's raw. It's perfect. She says, I realized it had the impact it had because it was a real moment. At the time I taped it, I thought real meant polished, a do-over perfection. But if I had delivered that speech how I wanted to, cool and calculated and yeah, 100% strong, like I wasn't bothered one bit by people calling me fat it would not have resonated the powerful way it did. I guess this to me is like a more important raw reality moment. The second one we've seen in this book so far. But also I kind of want to point it back to the Sports Illustrated swimsuit moment where she says, you know, years later, people looking back on that cover don't realize why it was important. I've actually seen people talking about Tyra Banks coming back out in this bathing suit. I don't think it was necessarily received quite in the way she thinks it was received. And it definitely hasn't aged that well to say, like, people are calling me fat. Look at me in a bathing suit. I'm actually not. But I do feel like in that moment, this was powerful. And I do think that people have forgotten that instead of being like a spokesperson for all women, she is literally just a woman being nationally body shamed.
1: I agree. And I'd also just like to take a moment to talk about Carolyn, who at this moment, I think was living her best life. <laughs> she says, I was sitting in my living room in front of the TV, sipping on my daily can of ginger ale when Tyra strutted onto the set of her talk show, sporting the same bathing suit that was plastered on the cover of every gossip magazine around the world. I can't even imagine how cool that is. Every day you get to go home and watch your daughter's amazing TV show while you drink your daily ginger ale. I, I love, love ginger ale. <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys know this about me, but in my household, ginger ale was like a real prize. It was... A big deal to get a ginger ale. And the idea of having one every day while you get to watch your daughter on TV, of course she had told me that she was going to address the paparazzi's blatant attempt at public humiliation, but not dressed like that. With every sip, I grew more and more proud. She was still sipping. (laughs) I'm not necessarily maternal, and I don't know that I fantasize about the future a lot, but I did have this momentary feeling of, wow, if in 50 years, I could be sitting in my living room being proud of my daughter, living her dream clapping back at the haters, drinking a ginger ale. <laughs> <laughs> I really beautiful. <laughs> Just like the ginger ale she
0: was sipping on the, bu- I feel full of bumbles, bubbles and light. <laughs> that, that one really got me. Tyra talks about how when she is looking a little bit thicker, it's because she's happy, she's celebrating, she's eating whatever she wants. When she's thinner, it's because someone's told her that for her health, she needs to eat healthier. She also talks about how she tries to make her mom eat healthier and her mom is like, nah, I don't want to.
1: I believe in those words that I said on my talk show just as much today as I did when I first said them more than 10 years ago. But just in case you weren't there back then to experience the moment, and even if you were, I've brought it to you here. I love my mama. She has helped me be a strong woman so I can overcome these kinds of attacks. But if I had lower self-esteem, she said through tears, I would probably be starving myself right now. But that's exactly what is happening to other women all over this country. So I have something to say to all of you that have something nasty to say about me or other women who are built like me. Women whose names you know, women whose names you don't, women who've been picked on, women whose husbands have put them down, women at work or girls in school, I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. Lesson number 10, or chapter number 10, learn something
0: from this. This is the final chapter. And just like we began, I don't really know why we are talking about this. Basically, she talks about pursuing a music career and how it didn't work. And she talks about going to several managers, several agents, several record labels. The highest level talent in all fields were w- willing to work with her. She was working with Benny Medina, Pharrell. I mean, it just- David
1: Foster, Babyface was helping her. She auditioned to be Tiana for Disney, but it turns out she can't sing. And her mom knew this, but her mom, being the supportive watcher, run into a concrete wall type parent that she is, just said,
0: okay. But her thing was, she's like, I just want people to cheer and scream for me. And then Benny Medina is like, why don't you do a talk show? And so her obsessive attempts at becoming a singer is how she ended up with the Tyler Banks show. So I guess it all worked out. She did have a song that came out called
1: Shake Your Body.
0: Was, I listened to it. Was it good? No. It was promoted by the UPN, which every time we hear about the UPN, I miss it. <laughs> she also sang backup on Kobe Bryant's rap single. And she thinks it's her fault for not for his career not taking off. I think he had a really good career elsewhere. Then the book just kind of ends.
1: We're all both rooting for you. And remember, perfect is boring, but you, my dear, ain't boring, not one bit. So go forth, you crazy, amazing, strong, and perfect human being, and make all your fiercest dreams come true, boo. Love Ty Ty and Mama Carolyn. There's also a hashtag you can use, and you can sign up for their newsletter or something.
0: Claire, what do you think about Tyra Banks and Mama Carolyn?
1: I had this realization the other day when we were talking about Leah Michelle that when we talk about people whose stories we want to hear, but we know they are incapable, personality wise, of doing their own memoir, I'm like, oh, we want the biography. Yeah. I would actually love a biography on Tyra Banks. I'm actually really interested in the work that they put in. Clearly, they had a real business acumen. Carolyn sounds like the OG Kris Jenner, they did build an empire. I mean, we looked up the other four original Victoria's Secret models. Only one of them I had ever even heard of, Stephanie Seymour. And she didn't go on to do much but marry a billionaire. Tyra has done an incredible thing with her career. And I really want to know how it happened and what happened.
0: And that's the thing is I want to know what the other people are saying. Like, I want to get an interview with another girl from that model house. I want to hear from the people around her and the industry professionals. I want like a... Thorough analysis of how Tyra Banks became Tyra Banks, because I don't know if this is it, but I I really like that this is her perspective. She tells one little
1: story that we didn't get into when she talked about female friendships about how she was set up on like a friend date with this woman in town and they hit it off, had a great time, laughing all night, and then the, she never heard from her again. And the mutual friend was like, "Oh, she just said that you were so nice. She didn't really trust you because she's been hurt by women before." And Tyra was like, "Damn, it sucks that I was just too nice to make a friend that day." I'm kind of like, oh, what's that woman's story? I really want to know what other people think of Tyra Banks because I've seen the way
0: she treats people. I've seen the way she acts. She's crazy. It's scary. So, you know, I love you, Mama Carolyn. But
1: I'm happy for them and their relationship. I would love to have Thanksgiving with their family. I would love to, like, be a neighborhood friend that they've always known. I feel like they probably still to keep in touch with the people they grew up with.
0: Yeah. We'll see you guys at all the live shows. See you soon elsewhere. Wink, wink. I'll let you know soon. We love you guys. And check out the Patreon. Yeah. Bye. Bye. And thank you so much to our five-star reviewers. Thank you so much to Kobe Michael, the two greatest basketball players of all time. Thank you to Rhapsody Goat, the, I guess, just greatest of all time. Thank you to Dinner Jones. Oh, my God. I feel like everyone's trying to keep up with the Jones, and really, they just want dinner. Thank you to MFH... IN Shaw. This is the start of your redemption. Thank you to Instagram. Why are you annoying? Literally, when you find out, fucking tell me. Thank you, Saucy Casey. I appreciate your sauce and your swagger. Thanks, Floorbot. You are a robot, so I guess you just know everything. Thank you to Riley Boo Bear, the cutest bear in town. Thank you to Sorry F. Don't apologize. F that. Thank you to Nikki1265, my favorite number of Nikki. Thank you to Eshree85. If you're Ed Sheeran, you can tell me. Thank you to my name is Z. Nice to meet you, Z. I appreciate your review. Thank you, the lady 2000. Oh my God, a lady of the future. Oh, wait, we already passed 2000. Still a good lady, though. Thank you to D Goods29. I appreciate you bringing the goods. Thank you to soap.Amaze. You amaze me every second. Uh, That's all for this week. Thank you so much.